American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Caroline and Lucia of The Laddles over Zoom video. Caroline talked about growing up in New York and having a professional guitar player dad who performs in The Lion King on Broadway. Did that for 17 years. She ended up not, not picking up a guitar, though. Banjo, she's always been in vocal lessons, choir, chorus, played a plethora of instruments throughout her life as well. As where Lucia was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she was drawn to the violin at a very early age. Her brother was a violin player. Parents didn't push him into music, but her brother played violin. She picked up violin at six and played that forever. Went to a conservatory, ended up transferring to Berkeley. That's where the band kind of met, was at the New England Conservatory of Music. They talked about recording their first self-titled record, being able to tour on that all while kind of going to school for the next few years. They talked about putting out their second record, The Line, having all these plans to do a major tour in 2020, push out this new record, and of course, everything coming to a halt. But over the course of quarantine, they were able to put together an amazing record, which you should definitely check out. And check out the video version of this interview with Lucia and Caroline on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. And we'd love it if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a like on Facebook at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with the Laddles. Right on. Well, thank you so much again for doing this. This is all about you guys, your journey in music and uh, forming. Is it? It's Ladless, right? <laughs> yeah. Or how do I say it? Um, we usually go by the ladles. The ladles. But we have had people interpret it as the loudless because we are um, ladless. Sure. Yeah. That's what I, that's where I was going with. I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe because they're ladless, but it's the ladles. Yes. Yeah, ladles. I mean, okay. Hey, at least you didn't um, misread it as ladies, which is like the thing that happens almost probably 80% of the time. People think it's the ladies. Oh, amen. <laughs> so it's the one more time. So I don't totally screw this up again. The, the ladle. Just like a ladle. Yeah. Like a soup server. Got you. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thanks for doing this. Um, this is all about you guys. So where are you both born and raised? Uh, can you hear me, by the way? Sometimes my Zoom is like a little iffy, but you can hear me right now. I can hear you. There's like some little ambient sound, but it's all good. It's, that's my heater. <laughs> I'm like kind of cold, but I'll probably turn <laughs> off. Um, but I'm in San Francisco, which is where I was born and raised. Oh, amazing. What about you, uh, Caroline? Um, I'm on the Upper West Side, which is also where I was born and raised in Manhattan. Wow. So totally, totally a polar opposite uh, spots here in, in the States. Wow. Yeah. So is that, um, wow. So how did the band form then? Are you guys in the same area One t at one point in time, obviously? Yes, definitely. We met uh, at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston, which I obviously went to Boston sure. to college. Um, and we just overlapped for one year there. Um, I ended up transferring to Berkeley College of Music. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Caroline finished out at NEC. And then Katie 
had transferred in from another school. So we just overlapped for that one year in 2014. Um, but yeah, we've been kind of like a long distance band for a while just because of different people being in college at different times and other people moving and this and that. So we're kind of used to it at this point and we definitely make it work. Um, mm -hmm. just meeting when we can and the the years that we spent in Boston were a really good foundation for kind of building the way that we work and you know a lot of time a lot of touring and uh, performing spent together so now like it's not that hard to kind of come back learn new music do a tour and get everything we need to get done done and like Sure. <laughs> so it's probably uh, with this pandemic and everything, I'm sure that made it you already had like kind of experience <laughs> like working long distance already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I would say so. Um, it was still hard. We had a lot of um, touring scheduled that was all canceled. So um, but at least that's true. We definitely know how to work at a distance and um, <clears throat> We have like weekly phone meetings, just kind of checking in and little things like that that keep keep you feeling like some sort of schedule is happening, even in the midst of a pandemic. Which sure. That's sure. awesome. Well, that's nice. Well, Caroline, so you were born and raised in, in New York City. Yes. Tell, tell me about that. And how did you get into music? Um, well, uh, my father is a professional guitarist. He, um, oh, wow. Growing up, he was he, well, he was, not usually. He was um, the guitarist for Lion King on Broadway for 17 years. And, wow. And then he switched to another show because that was making him go crazy. And After um, 17 years of playing the same uh, Lion King songs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but in like the music, like, you know, in the trade, it's the closest you can get to like an office job, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I grew up with a lot of... Um, instruments in the household lots of different kinds of music because you know he was like a session musician whatever really came his way he mm. would uh, go for it and i think that really gave me a lot of exposure to different styles just the different cds that we had at home um and things like that and uh i got started um when i was about five i started singing um for voiceover recordings and um oh wow singles just through a family friend, someone said, oh, she should try doing that. And uh, and my dad said, do you want to try? And I said, yes. So that's kind of how I started out. And then when I got a little too old for that, um, I did choir. I, I joined a choir and um, mm -hmm. I really stayed uh, in, in the choir scene all the way through high school. Uh, so most of my training has been like through vocal harmony and uh singing in choirs and i had some instrumental lessons here and there but nothing stuck like hoisted i don't sure. know if it was, I was bad at practicing or, <laughs> or what but i would you know a few years i did piano and then i was like i'm done and then in in middle school i was like the cello is my instrument and then then i <laughs> after like three years i was like i'm done and then in high school i was like saxophone is the thing for me and then Interesting. that only lasted a year and a half so, Where, but where's the guitar fall in does that i mean i would think that that would be the obvious go-to since your dad's a guitar player professionally uh, it's actually uh, not really gonna go on picking up 
this same exact instrument that he played. He, he, he never wanted to pressure me to do anything musical that I didn't want to. And he was really like, just didn't want me to feel like I had to do it because he it was it. A, like, he didn't want, to f- want me to feel forced. So um, I also felt like I wasn't really ready to, uh, to start that relationship of us both playing something or me trying to learn something that he plays so amazingly. Um, and with the banjo, which is what I play in the ladles, uh-huh. I went for that instrument first specifically because it was not the guitar. Um, and it was a string instrument hanging on the wall in the apartment. And then I thought, well, this isn't, this isn't a guitar. So I feel pretty comfortable trying this one out. Um, and, and that's how that stuck. And, and with both, both banjo and guitar, I really kind of learned by learning to accompany my singing. And that's how I've learned to play the instrument. So um, through time, through writing songs is really how I got into uh, playing those two. Interesting. How many times did you see The Lion King growing up? Oh, um, well, um, I probably saw it on, like from the audience up at least five times. Um, tickets are expensive. Yeah. So, um, Your dad didn't just sneak you in the back door or let you sit that in happened, the, the That pit, happened once. Pit. Uh, once it was bringing your daughter to work day. Not really, but like he needed to bring me to work family emergency. And so um, I was there and it was a double, it was a show with a matinee and an evening performance. So for the matinee, um, I sat in the pit with him, which I've done quite a few times because I can almost always do that to, you know, a certain extent. And then for the evening show, they snuck me in the back. Um, wow. And it's an amazing show. I mean, just like music aside and Elton John's writing. Uh, of course puppetry and the costumes are just oh it's like an explosion of beautiful visuals are were you a fan of the movie um i was but it got banned in the household pretty early on really yeah we're just uh tired of you know you hearing it exact thing <laughs> did you watch day. the sequel i did watch the sequel <laughs> but it's very it's very fuzzy. We're going into single digit ages here. So, so yeah, I'm sorry. We're getting the weeds with the Lion King, but I saw the sequel and I really wasn't impressed whatsoever, but Hey, that's just me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was just growing up on the original and then trying to reproduce it in this very kind of cheesy. Yeah. In my opinion way, <laughs> but yeah, I would be interested to get your dad's opinion on it. He probably doesn't even care because he's like, I've played those songs for 17 years. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. I think <laughs> there would be an explosive thrown in there and then <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care anything about it at all. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Lucia, how did you get into music? You were, and you were born and raised in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's funny uh, what Caroline was saying about her dad not wanting to force her because I feel like that's such a musician mindset. Like, I feel like, oh, if I ever had kids, I would never try to force them into an instrument. But um, my parents were not musicians. <laughs> so they didn't force me, actually. They forced my older brother. And I just thought he was the coolest person in the world. So of course. he started playing violin. I was like, I have to play the violin. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. no other option here. Um, but I actually loved it and um, was really excited about it, whereas he was kind of more of like the forced 
situation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I started playing violin when I was six. Wow. And, um, yeah, and did classical and like Suzuki method for a little bit and then switched to more of like the classical violin kind of, uh, you know, I went on that track pretty seriously until I was about 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized, um, well, I had been pretty exposed to like fiddle. I did fiddle when I was really little and then I went really deep into classical and kind of like was doing that. And then after, after the age of 15, I was kind of like feeling very constricted by the classical structure. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I wanted to improvise more. Um, so I kind of stopped that and was looking into and started doing more fiddle and more improvisational styles. Um, I went to, for two years, I went to like this classical uh, orchestra high school here in, well, it's actually in Marin. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I lived in the Bay Area for like five years. I was curious to oh, really? find out where whereabouts you were. Because people yeah. say San Francisco and then they could be in like, <laughs> you know, Cupertino or they could be in, you know, Walnut yeah. Creek or Dublin yeah. or something else. Potrero Hill, if you know Potrero Hill. Yeah. Okay. Which actually, fun fact, I'm living back in my childhood home. Is that your childhood room you're in? Um, no, this was actually my parents' room. Uh, another oh. fun fact is my three of my siblings were born in this room. Because really? <laughs> <laughs> my mom was like into the home birth thing so that's amazing like, family history in here <laughs> there is <laughs> yeah. yeah i moved away for you know six years i went to boston i i lived in new orleans and then i came back and i just love it so much it's no place like home you know mm-hmm. but anyway so classical then i started doing fiddle and i did do chorus which caroline and i have in common we both i did the san francisco girls chorus um and so we both had this background of like choral harmony singing Mm -hmm. Um, but i kind of i didn't do a ton of singing um i just did chorus until i was like 12 or 13 which i think gave a good foundation but then i was really in the violin thing and um it wasn't until the ladles that i kind of started singing again and having it be a part of my um just like my musical identity, you know, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. mostly like, I definitely mostly identify as an instrumentalist. Um, but yeah, so I went to NEC and then I went to Berkeley and I ended up graduating from Berkeley and doing violin performance and American roots music there, which was super fun. Um, what was that process like getting into Berkeley? Was it like you, you went in as a violin player? Yeah, I did. I did audition. Was there auditions? And and I heard it's like, it's it's funny. So I've interviewed a lot of people that went to Berkeley, right? And it's either, yeah, they just let everyone in. I just kind of sent this tape of me pretending like like trying to play and they let me in. Or it's, it was gnarly. Like I had to like sight read on the spot and like do this and that and the other thing. So I'm always curious on everyone, everyone's like process of how they got into the school because it's like such a bipolar answer that I get <laughs> from people. It was like, at one point they just let anyone in and then it's, yeah. it was impossible. Yeah. Well, for me, um, coming from a classical background, I had a lot of experience with auditions. 
So mm-hmm. to me, the Berkeley audition was kind of a piece of cake. Like, okay. they don't make you do that much. You don't even have to do pre-screening, which is where you send in a video. And then you can, if you get through that round, then you can do the in-person audition. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, there was sight reading, but, you know, because I did so much classical, I love sight reading. So it's not really, I think it really depends what your background is. For me, it was more stressful to do the, the improvisation part, you know. Oh, sure. House. Yeah, that's like a that's shredder true. in their household that, it, and then they go and they don't know, a, in a, you know, a note on exactly. paper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it depends on your strengths. But luckily, I had the experience of auditioning a lot. So in that sense, I was kind of prepared for, um, yeah, it's funny. Actually, I worked in the admissions office at Berkeley when I went there. Uh huh. And, and I talked to a lot of people about the audition and, and some people were like so stressed about it and then other people weren't, but I think it does really just depend what background you come from. Sure. But, yeah. Cause it sounds like you've had, had, a, you know, a classical background throughout the six when you've kind of picked up the, the violin. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of me- reading music and a lot of just that structure of auditions and, you know, mm-hmm. working on things uh, really intensely, practicing a lot. Um, and then I kind of <laughs> let all of that go, and I really don't <laughs> identify as a classical musician at all anymore. Um, I don't uh, – I still play it for fun because I love it, and um, mm-hmm. I would love to do more um, chamber music. But I just I, I I don't put in that work anymore, and you have to put in so much work to like to be that. And now mm-hmm. I've kind of got more into like songwriting and playing guitar. I play guitar a lot mm-hmm. uh, more than violin, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I saw in like your Instagram, you, you play guitar quite a bit. But then there's yeah. like pictures of you at like you know you look like you're super young with the playing the playing violin. So. Yeah, yeah, that's like that was my roots, and I always. Uh, violin will always be like my one true love slash uh-huh. uh, frenemy. <laughs> sure. When you were going through, like, so you you got you both met in in school at Berkeley. Um, in New England Conservatory, actually. So I transferred to Berkeley, but Caroline went to NEC, and that's where we all met. So it was actually at New England Conservatory. Okay, so you went there and then transferred out to Berkeley, and then. Caroline, did you finish at uh, New England Conservatory? Yeah, yeah. Me and Katie both. Um, so, yeah, but we all had that one year, the very first year in uh, 2014 where we met. And then I stayed for the – Katie had two years left, and then so that the next year she graduated, and then she was out, and then Lucia had moved, gone to Berkeley, and then I was left at uh, NEC – Finished out, got that degree. There you go. Lucia, yeah. like, when, why did you decide to transfer to Berkeley? Was there a reason for that? Yeah, well, there was, the main reason was money, uh, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, initially, although in hindsight, you know, I truly believe things happen for a reason. And sure. it was totally the right move for me. Um, and I did want to get more into fiddle and work with some of the teachers at Berkeley because there's just a lot more of that at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. So there was that, but it, I kind of got forced out of NEC because I just couldn't afford it. And so I was kind of reevaluating. I spent one semester in Boston 
uh, not going to school and working at this restaurant called Henrietta's Table in uh, Harvard Square. Mm -hmm. And I did a terrible job there. <laughs> I was not cut out for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, but then I just, I, just for the heck of it, I was like, I'm just going to apply to Berkeley. Like I didn't think, because that's also a super expensive school. So right. it's not. Really see... You were going to community college. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really see it working out, but it actually did. Um, and they, they just have a lot more money than NEC does to offer people, you know, so. Grant wise or scholarship wise. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. They just have a much bigger endowment. So that was the reason initially. And then. And then it all like felt like, oh, wow, this is like totally the way it should happen. Mm -hmm. And then still so grateful that I got that year at NEC because it was amazing. And obviously I met the Ladles and so many other incredible musicians. Um, yeah, so it was all worth it. <laughs> well, with with the Ladles, like was were you guys a band when you were all at the conservator uh, conservatory together? Yeah, we kind of formed our band pretty quickly, I feel like. Yeah, like in the first few months, I believe. Yeah. So we, okay. were, we were in this very small program, the Contemporary Improvisation Program, and it was like a handful of people. I mean, like 30 at most. Yeah. And um, oh, wow. Yeah. But we were the only three undergraduate women at the time. At that year in the program, there were only three women in the undergraduate contingent of the contemporary improvisation program. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a reason that we kind of gravitated towards each other pretty quickly initially. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was very male dominated at that time. And I think it depends on like when you're there. But um, so I feel like that's why we kind of, yeah, we gravitated towards each other, but it is kind of serendipitous that we actually became a band you know sure so were you guys playing together like like being the only you know female undergrads obviously that kind of drew you guys together and then was it were you like okay let's start jamming a bit and then the band kind of just evolved or like how did that like how did you guys decide you know let's start writing music together and then was it let's start playing shows because we have some songs like, what was the, but then Lucia, you leave to go to Berkeley. I mean, was that, I don't want to stir up drama, but I don't know. Was that like a, a hard hit for you, like Caroline and, and for you and Katie to be like, oh, well now we have a band and then she's going and like, what are we going to do? Um, well, the lucky thing is that Berkeley and NEC are um, just down, just around the corner from each other. So. Oh, they are. See, I wasn't sure logistically where these oh, yeah. schools no, are. They're, actually, they're both in the back bay in Boston. They're actually quite nearby. It's like a 10 minute walk at most. Oh, um, so it didn't make any difference so, at all, really, it sounds like. Yeah. And then our second year in Boston, all the, you know, we all arrived in Boston at the same time that one year. Sure. Our second year together, we actually all lived together in a dilapidated basement apartment. Um, oh. And so that, uh, you know, just a built in rehearsal space. Um, and um, yeah, I think it kind of, we kind of evolved from like just, kind of uh, jamming and and we tend to do more uh, we 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 definitely have an arranging process and mm -hmm. a performance style that is very distinctly us as the ladles mm -hmm. um, but in general 
with our um, repertoire, we come with the, one of us comes with a song already written. Um, so it, it would, the format was often like, oh, hey, I have a song, like, I want to try it out with you guys. Can we like, I have some ideas for harmonies. Can we put a harmony here? Can we fill it out there? And then uh, let's figure out what the instruments are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, has often been how we, how we function, how we arrange things. Um, and also um, not just things we write, but also um, we all uh, do some folk standards, some, some early jazz swing style um, singing and playing. That's, uh, we have Lucia, who's the, the old time expert, and we have um, Katie, who's the, she really has a strong backward, back, backward, strong background in um, Western swing. Okay. So lots of fun, tight female three-part harmonies in sure. that story. That's amazing. And then, so, and what year was this around? Because 2016, you guys put out like your, your EP, which is the self-titled EP. Yes. Was that recorded when you guys were still in college? Was it recorded in the dilapidated home you were all living in together? It was about, it was the year of the dilapidated home. Um, <laughs> was it recorded in the dilapidated home? It was actually Katie, Katie's father is also um, a jazz pianist. And oh, okay. so you, she's from the Catskills um, and we've recorded it in his um, home studio way back wow. when. So that came out our sophomore or my, my sophomore year, um, our second year together as a group. Um, and yeah, we we actually got a small grant from NEC, um, an entrepreneurial grant to fund the the, uh, the EP. So yeah, that was just our first little, we need something, we need a recording. Mm-hmm. It feels very old and, and uh, I often, think of when people want to hear us, especially the people who don't think about like buying the album, they're like, oh, I I want to hear you guys. And I'm like, oh, well, I should give them. We have, we have I have leftover EPs in the closet. And I'm like, I don't really want to share it. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's our Spotify link. <laughs> really, really, it's, they're not bad recordings, but I, I, I think I'm speaking for all of us when I say, you know, you just listen back. They're old, we've evolved, we've matured. Sure. We've gotten better. So it's, we have more recent recordings that are a little more um, the, the primary thing we'd like to uh, put on. Right, right. I'm sure that you have the, the, the early fans, though, that, that love the, the, that first EP. You know, you always have yeah. those fans that hold that, like, dear to their heart. Like, why are you not playing blah, blah, blah <laughs> off the, you know, why aren't you playing Juvenile? I want to hear that song. And you're like, well, I've got like a million other ones that are cooler. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So you have a record that came out in 2019. That's kind of a there's a big gap there. Was that be due to being in college trying to finish up school? And were you able to even really tour the first EP or was it just kind of like, okay, we got a little money from this. We funded it. We wanted to put something out. Now we'll just kind of see what happens. Like, like where was the progression between that record and the three years later when you put out the line? Yeah, like it's definitely due to us being in school and our schedules. We did tour a lot before we put out the line, but it was always pretty concentrated in the summer mm-hmm. or like um, breaks. Uh, sure. 
breaks from school, but um, by the time we recorded the line, we had been touring that music for like three years. So we were so ready to record those songs, get them out there, and then kind of like move on, you know, from that batch of songs pretty much. I mean, obviously there were tons of other ones too, but the ones that made it onto that record. record. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and I think everything has always happened pretty organically with us like in the sense that we haven't like super planned out like oh we're gonna do this record and then a year later this record or it just kind of was naturally like wow we have all these songs we've been playing for so long we need to record these get them out there and then start doing the next tour and and building our next um album of songs um Mm -hmm. And then basically in 2020, beginning of 2020 was when we kind of were like, okay, let's get serious. Let's book all these tours. We're going to record another album, like all this stuff. And then it all. Then it all came, yeah, crashing down. So were you, where were you guys in the beginning of 2020? You're, you're putting this all together. Are you around the same area? Are you back in San Francisco at this time, Lucia? Or like, are you all kind of close to each other and we're like all right let's get this tour rolling yeah. and then the world shuts down like talk to me about where you all were during the, the beginning, beginning of yeah so um i was living in california at the time and the, and they were both in new york but it but that has never never really posed a problem before with touring because i would just kind of meet them wherever we were gonna tour from so we actually had a two-week Run we were in New Orleans, I think, right? We were going to meet in New Orleans. Yeah, we were. But in January, we had this two-week run of shows, which is when we were like, all right, let's plan out this whole year. And that was January of 2020, end of January. And we had, yeah, then we had booked that tour in New Orleans or in the South, starting in New Orleans. Then there was one on the West Coast that was going to come like the next month and then the summer and like just a bunch of touring. Okay. And then literally like two days before I was going to fly there to New Orleans, it was like March um, 15th or something was when California like totally shut down. Right. And uh, yeah, so everything, everything got canceled. Came to a halt there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. With these songs that you've released this year, like Sunset Pink, you know, you have Thank You Out, uh, Nobody Knew. Were those songs, were those written and recorded during the quarantine? Or was that stuff you had recorded prior and you were just you're kind of holding and waiting for this tour? And then now you're like, okay, let's just periodically release. Like, how did that work? Um, so the one thing that was kind of left standing after we like watched everything get canceled mm-hmm. um, for 2020 was this residency uh, that we had planned in August at the Springville Center for the Arts, which is um, in Western New York, about 30 minutes from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And um, we, in the meantime, we're like, okay, well, we have this meeting point that we can look forward to. You know, we had a safe place to stay. We had a you know, a house all to ourselves. Um, we were being commissioned to come and, and, uh, work on a project of some sort. And so we were able to meet up there and I believe it was three weeks, 
a three week long residency. Wow. Am I right? Was it two weeks? I can't even remember no, anymore. Um, it was three. Yeah. It was three. Yeah. Wow. No, Three. Um, and so we had all come with, you know, we had since we had not seen each other since our January tour, and this was in August, so one of the longest periods of time. Yeah, that we had nine months, eight, eight months later. Thing. And so we all had material to share that um, I think most of us, who, uh, I think it's safe to say we, uh, most of the songs on the forthcoming album, including Thank You, Sunset Pink, Nobody Knew, were written in 2020 during that turbulent time, maybe not like 100% of them, but they were all songs that were newer, just had begun to be workshop before we stopped, you know, being able to get together or we had been developing while we were apart and were eagerly awaiting um, a time we could get together and arrange them. And the recording came out of the residency initially we weren't planning on having a full-blown you know produced and polished album we just we kind of needed a culmination project for the residency they you know because they they have um it's a really wonderful residency program they put you up in a beautiful space and you have access to all kinds of art materials and just it's a lovely community and so they often have visual artists and usually there's kind of a specific project that someone's working on you know um and we were kind of like we're getting together and workshopping our songs and so what is the thing that we can produce the physical product so we thought we'll have an informal recording of all the music that we put together during this uh residency and we'll record it in the um chapel of the art center because the art center is a um is um it resides in an old church okay um, and they converted the chapel into a, a listening hall with, you know, uh, road seats and a stage. Um, and it's got beautiful residents and um, we really like how we sound in there. So that's we, awesome. And we we brought our friend um, over from Brooklyn, our friend Dylan McKinstry, who's um, a wonderful engineer and and producer uh, just to get it done you know, nicely. And it, the plan was originally just whoever orders these limited edition physical copies of the CD will get it. And we did it in a week. And by the time we were done, I think we had all kind of realized like, this is high quality. Like this sounds really good. And it's like, I think we, we definitely knew that it was um, enough work had been put in and it sounded really good enough that we wanted to uh, share it as, as an album to the general public on all platforms. So that's, that's how we got there. And that's, that's these singles have just been, um, you know, songs from this album leading up to the big release, which is next week. Very cool. And as far as a release, I mean, still everybody's locked up. You can't tour. Hopefully um, I know they announced Outside Lands for for the Halloween weekend and Bonnaroo's happening, I think, September. Like, is there the hopes that you'll be able to tour the record and it or do you have stuff trying to line up something or how would you how are you going to go about doing a release of any big plans? Well, we're doing some yeah. online things, but as of now, it's I think it's pretty, you know, wait and see we're still kind of in the wait and see um territory and as most artists are at this point 
you know, hopefully in the summer, more outdoor stuff can happen. But, mm -hmm. um, but it does feel good to get this music out there and kind of be engaging with people and sharing with people in, in this way, you know, even if we can't tour. So sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll That's see. <laughs> we will see. That's awesome. Do you guys like doing the uh, like live streaming things? And is it difficult to navigate with both of you on different coasts or all three of you kind of on different coasts? Well, I'm going to New York. I'm going to New York on Thursday. So oh, OK. So you'll be together. Yeah. yeah, we those all were we three are at least all in the same room. I will say it's a little um, it definitely is a little off putting because we're used to this energy that any performer I'm sure feels when you have a physical audience present and even if no one's saying anything you you do get some feedback you can just read people's faces you can see and so I definitely speaking for myself have a good time because I know it's like wow people are watching on the other side of that right um, but it is like it, it's a very strange energy when you're finished because we're used to kind of having you know people come up to us and and say that was great or maybe they'll come up and have some criticism or or something but there's no human interaction uh with other people who have been listening except for maybe comments uh on facebook or hearts or going up or something <laughs> and then we're just with each other like well, what do we do now like <laughs> sure we don't have to go to the merch table but i guess we'll <laughs> go for an after show drink <laughs> yeah or a little zoom party or something <laughs> yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's a little strange um but luckily i think we will do one um we will do one show in the park in brooklyn that we're looking forward to That's last time cool. we got together you know just just a little something um to it does feel good to you know see see people on the other side yeah That's it is weird. The weirdest thing to me with the live streaming is just when you finish a song and there's no applause. <laughs> yeah. You're it's like, kind uh, of, yeah, <laughs> kind of like, you know, you're performing. So you're in that performance headspace. So then when you finish a song and it's just like totally silent, it's like, well, well, I guess we'll go <laughs> you're like, is this thing on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. I love the first uh, three songs that you guys have put out so far. And thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you Thanks. for having us. Before, yeah, yeah. Before I let you go, though, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Mm. I always uh, I always think it's really important to and it's like really cheesy. But what I found is just in general, um, staying honest with yourself and then in that way you can be true to who you are as a creative um, being in this world you know like the best thing you have to offer is your own uniqueness so just being true to who that is and understanding who that is and giving yourself the time and space to figure it out um, I think is the best thing that we as artists can do because um, it's such a necessary part of uh, humanity. I love it. Thank That's you so much, Lucia. What about you, Caroline? I would say, um, well, geez, that was a great answer on Lucia's part. <laughs> she um, just drops the mic. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of self-assurance, reminding, 
I would say to remind yourself that even if you feel that, especially in this world where a lot of, I think a lot of people who are independent artists and are doing their own promotion, doing, you know, whatever it is to get their stuff out there and seen, is to remind yourself that um, even if you feel like you don't have an impact, remind yourself that it, you do have an impact, that you sharing your art with people does make a difference to the people who are receive like seeing who are seeing it who are listening to it um and receiving it and it does shape it does shape um other people's experiences and so in that way all art is important and um no one artist is insignificant